Hello and welcome to the Damn Fine Life podcast with Rinku Madan. I'm Gaurav Kapoor and I am here to introduce this show which is a unique and exclusive take on luxury hospitality from across the globe. Now I am fascinated by luxury hospitality just as much as you are, which is why I'm super excited about this show because it's not just about the business of hospitality, but it's also about stories, journeys, histories, insights, a peek behind the curtain, if you may. from the world of luxury hospitality so let's dive straight in powered by sonever resorts and residences marquesi di barolo wines and the lila palaces hotels and resorts brought to you by dan hotels israel shale hotels limited hotel kempinski indonesia fratelli wines and taf reverse your fat in partnership with our season partners postcard hotels a collection of intimate and bespoke luxury hotels hidden in holiday destinations across india and the world the postcard hotels combine luxury with simplicity helping you retreat to a life that is luxurious simple unhurried and filled with rich discoveries easy diner the one stop platform for the most enjoyable authentic and friction free table booking experience instant confirmations and amazing deals on food and beverage in over 150 cities in india and now in dubai too jet hq the world's most trusted aircraft sales with deep industry knowledge real time data and market analysis by dedicated professionals an aircraft brokerage company with headquarters in the united states jet hq's experience and international expertise allow them to serve you 24/7 across the globe in almost every time zone a one stop solution for sale and purchase of pre-owned aircrafts I have a treat. I am so happy to be chatting with Manoj Atlakha, Senior Vice President, CEO, American Express Banking Corporation, India. He is also a member of the Board of Directors of the American Express Bank, New York. When he is not busy taking Amex to the next level by making sure by putting out what the brand stands for, which is premiumness, aspiration, and an unrelenting focus on service. He loves being with his dogs and surfing Netflix. Mr. Adlaka actually covers a whole gamut of lifestyle via the bespoke Amex Centurion card, which we will be talking about in the course of our conversations. Manoj Adlaka, welcome to my podcast. Thank you Rinku, thank you for having me on. So, how would Manoj Adlaka describe himself? <laughs> okay, I would describe myself Rinku as someone who is uh, passionate, someone who is energetic, somebody who's resilient, aggressive, positive, focused, adaptable to situations, bit of a risk taker, aggressive definitely when it comes to business and observant and I like to be with people. I think for me a trust factor is a very important piece so you know when I work with people when I work with folks around me you know just uh, having each other's back and uh, you know working as teams makes it makes it very 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 important. And I think last but not the least is to be focused on doing just a couple of things. but doing them right but uh, that's the way i would describe myself 
I think this is fabulous. It's like a whole bouquet of of the right qualities. <laughs> so for a long time, the target demographic for Amex was just high net worth individuals. But now you have launched a credit card for millennials, the Smart Earn credit card, right? So can you tell us something about this? Is very interesting. Uh, yeah, it is actually. You know, because uh, when you look at the Indian diaspora, where in sixty five percent, that's two thirds of the Indian population, is below the age of thirty. you know any organization or institution would be missing out on a big opportunity if you do not address the needs of that segment and on two accounts so one is of course these people are you know young adults they have just got into the workforce they've got into you know work life these days typically you know they start to work at the age of 20 anywhere between 22 to 24 and uh, second is that uh, there has been a sea change over the last not even a generation maybe the last 5 to 7 years in the consumption pattern so when we see the folks who are coming into you know at this stage versus maybe what let's say you know if we were to go back or rewind 10 years ago at that time in india there was a very high skew towards savings like when we look at ourselves it was all to do with savings i mean i'm not saying there was no consumption but the level of consumption has increased significantly so for mm-hmm. us and that's our business core business is all about credit cards it is how do we get this young population to engage with us to spend on our cards to spend on the credit cards and over a period of time as we have a skew and a plethora of products you know uh, we we want to make them you know customers of ours for life starting with a entry level product which has a lot of features and benefits which are targeted towards online and that's where these people are there's not one of them i can think of who would not have a smartphone so as an example you spoke about the smart earn card now smart earn card you know we also have taken into account that the threshold you know nobody wants to spend too much at that level so the entry level uh, of uh, the or the fee that you pay you know to to get a card is less than 500 rupees which is nothing right and that 500 rupees is recouped given back to you if you spend something like 25 or 30000 rupees within your within the first year on top of that the amount of benefits you get whether it's on amazon or a flipkart and maybe another 6 7 online sites in terms of return so the person who is starting to engage with you which is this youngster millennial is loving the fact that they're getting great service from a brand like american express they hold an american express product in their wallets um, and they are getting the benefit so the return which is the return on value that they put in mm-hmm. a fuck of 500 rupees is being recouped very quickly absolutely i think this is a very good thing but there are also similar cards like this in the market right like the hdfc's millennia card that specially targets millennials as well and perhaps they don't even charge a fee like what is the differentiation yeah no i think it's it's a it's an important question you're asking we are charging a fee and others are not Yes we are charging a fee for two reasons one we are charging a fee because we want that customer to be you know in this case a millennial to be engaged with us we believe that somebody who doesn't even you know can they afford 500 rupees i believe they would be able to you know it's you know no big deal right and it's per annum and that also like i said if you reach a very small threshold that you don't ever have to pay that 500 rupees going forward so the difference is the reason and it's not that the 500 will break the bank for us one way or the other as against somebody forcing a card down your throat right and just saying okay here is a card take it free then that card could be one of the four cards in your wallet we don't want to go down that path 
right? And the second part of the question is around, uh, sorry, second part of the answer I would like to give is cards can be highly commoditized. So if we decide to put in some features and benefits today, they can be easily replicated tomorrow by somebody else. And that's the way it works, right? But one thing that cannot be replicated and that has not been replicated is service. And I'm very proud that we have such a fantastic team of uh, what we call CCPs or customer care professionals who are doing a 24-7 service and uh, they provide absolutely unparalleled service to our card members. So, you know, whether it's through call centers and customers write in or on the app, there were various ways. And we always servicing the customer through the channel of their choice. And, uh, you know, that's why it is now that we have been voted to be, you know, uh, seven years in a row, India's most trusted credit card brand. So do you see any difference in spending or borrowing by millennials as opposed to the previous generations? Completely. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, earlier, what has started to happen now is there is far more of living for today as against uh, the saving uh, culture, which used to be there maybe, you know, a decade ago. And they want to they want to live for today. They want to enjoy the lifestyle. They want to, you know, it's a lot of sharing, right? The culture of sharing. And you've seen that through, you know, the Airbnbs and the Ubers of the world, because that thing of owning versus sharing there's been a fundamental change which has come in in this uh, millennial group, whether it's baby boomers, millennials. It's it started to percolate through the organize uh, through the you know through this generation. Typically, a millennial would want you know the latest phone catic latest phone and uh, you know and if they do not have that much of money in the bank account, then they would say, okay, you know what, let me take it on uh, as you know the terminology which is used in India is called EMI. Let me you know pay in parts. Let me take it and then I'll keep paying over a period of time, right? So that has started to become a far bigger phenomenon than what it was in the past. So coming now to your masterpiece, which is also considered a status symbol, I think, the Yamek Centurion card. So tell us something about it. This has all happened during your tenure, right? This is these 25 odd years that you have spent with Amex. You have brought this sea of change in all these things that we hear about. No, I, I would not like to take uh, any credit, uh, credit at all for this. It is, uh, you know, it's all about the brand. When you have, um, you know, you're riding on the power of uh, or on the back of such a powerful brand, it automatically attracts the right uh, prospects to become your customers. And more importantly, for me at least, the way I look at it, is it attracts the right team members who want to become and become a part of the winning team. And that is really what has made the difference. So over, you know, I can, let's talk for the last decade. We have a fantastic team of winners. We have people who are going out of the way to make things happen, whether they're on the service front, whether they're on the product front, whether they are on, you know, various aspects. And they want to make things happen for the customer. They want to make things happen. They're very intelligent set of, you know, folks who understand the needs of the customer. And from there on, they take it on. They're very good with analytics and, you know, everything. Like I said, we have to be one step ahead of what, you know, of course, we need to be totally aware of what uh, competition is doing. But if the fundamentals are strong, right, of the brand that you're putting out over there, of the product that you're putting out over there, of the value proposition. And, uh, you know, you're also very clear that if there is an event, unfortunate event like what COVID, what we immediately did was we repivoted because a lot of our Centurion, and you spoke about Centurion, which is a black card, right? So a lot of our benefits were queued towards travel. Now, suddenly we realized that 
now you know last happening. march it was 18 18 months ago it's not happening you you yeah. know that right up yeah. to 8 november there is no international travel mm-hmm. except for that two months window when it opened um, earlier this year so what we did was we skewed and we got a lot of fantastic lifestyle benefits into the product which we built in and these are not you know those which are valid for 60 days 90 days a lot of them are long term there were club memberships that were brought in there was a lot of domestic travel because there was no prohibition on traveling domestically right uh, there was a lot of uh, doubling down on dining there was a lot of doubling down on home delivery lot of online stuff and our customers have loved it they just they've said okay you know what I mean American Express knows we didn't have to be told so I mean that's what I like about the company and it starts from the top it doesn't only happen you know so to your point it is uh, uh, you know uh, not any credit I would take it starts with the global leadership and then it percolates down in every country that we operate in and we just um, you know make sure that uh, we are understanding the psyche of the local customer and meeting the demands of that customer through creating what would be the right uh, products in terms of the value proposition what is the centurion card why is it considered a status symbol and what it takes to get a centurion card what does it take to get a centurion card you know, i wish i could share that with you i'll not be able to share that with you unfortunately all i can tell you is that yeah there's a mystique involved there's an intrigue involved yes. there is uh, a lot of uh, you know of course who are the centurion uh, you know which is a select few it's only by invitation i do want to let you know yes. uh, so we don't go and uh, you know prospect ever ever a centurion card member it is a centurion card member is really uh, very high spending card members or of our existing base who we would uh, you know look at upgrading to the centurion card sometimes it does happen a one off case where a person who may not be an existing american express customer but you know is keen on joining the franchise at a centurion level so that could also be a one off you know case which could happen but it's a very select group of individuals and idea is not to take this to a level where it suddenly becomes too big uh, because uh, we want to make the you know give them the service through the product features that we have put on the card absolutely on unpar- you know to be unparalleled you know whether it is travel related whether it is lifestyle uh, related whether it is through experiences or anything else at the end of the day it's not about badge value right mm-hmm. it's uh, that's uh, it's uh, yes it's good to have a centurion card in your you know in your wallet or in your in your bag in your purse or whatever but uh, the fact of the matter is we are also cognizant to the fact that we need to deliver value for the fee that we are charged yes. so we are very very conscious of that fact and i feel good what the team has done over here is to generate the commensurate value so you have been with amex for over 25 years how have you seen things changing or evolving also have you ever never thought of changing it for your own self you know i have uh, actually a little over 30 years of experience rinku i started my career post uh, doing chartered accountancy in 1989 so 1990s when i joined amex hmm. american express and 15 years i spent with american express i was very fortunate uh, in those 15 years to work across five or six different functions you know including a stint in tokyo which was then the head office for this part of the world which was absolutely fantastic there was great learning what i learned in those 15 years was how a multinational works right because you're fresh out of you know i'd done before that i was in shriram college of commerce and then i'd done my ca so i had no exposure to you know 
when I joined American Express and I joined as a literally like a you know as a fresher. And uh, those 15 years taught me a lot. It taught me the value system that uh, you know great institution like American Express holds dear, and that has stayed with me you know over over my entire career. So in 2005, I did take a break from American Express and uh, I spent a year with Yes Bank. It was a different experience, not getting into the goods and the bads of it, but it was very different, right? Mm. The scale of it was very different and uh, the share products we were doing over there was different. I did it only for a year, but within a year, I realized probably I wasn't cut out working in a in, in that kind of a, an environment. And then I tried something of my own for another year and I became an entrepreneur. And uh, within a year, I realized that it's not going to work. It's not working the way I would envisage it would. Mm-hmm. And it was two one-year stints, right? After a 15-year, uh, you know, long stint with American Express. That's when I moved overseas to Visa. That's another payment uh, network. Mm-hmm. And I was there for a little over a year in Singapore, which was the regional head office. And then, um, you know, fortunately for me, I got a call from American Express and um, to run, I think this was 2009, about 10, 12 years, 10, 11 years mm-hmm. ago. From there on, you know, started with running one business and another business. And now I've been the CEO for American Express for the last seven or eight years. So in all, out of my 31 years of working, I have spent about quarter of a century, a little more, 26 years with Amex and five years outside Amex. I've loved every moment of it. I believe that, you know, even the four or five years that I spent uh, outside American Express taught me a lot. It taught me the value, you know. What I was missing out at Amex even more. I'm not, actually, it's interesting because I'm not the only one who's had a second innings at Amex. A lot of senior people have come back to American Express. And that speaks, uh, you know, volumes of what American Express can, um, you know, and the kind of ecosystem that operates. Coming back to something lighter now. So how is a typical, how would you describe a typical week in Manoj Adlaka's life? Yeah, so my leader sits in London. There is a little bit of uh, my first four hours are more skewed towards uh, working with my my team, which is based in India. Meetings start India time by about 1.30 because given the four and a half hour time difference, that's probably, you know, 9 a.m. there. Then there are some meetings which go on till later in the evening. So coming back to what's my typical day like, my typical day starts with pre-pandemic. I used to, I live in Delhi, uh, yeah. offices go down. So I used to try and beat the traffic. I would try and get into work by and on my desk by 8.30. So I would leave home by about 7.45. Otherwise, you know how traffic can be at times. So I'd miss the traffic and I'd be in by 8.30. But then I would leave early also. And that's a beauty because the company is, you know, letting you be flexible. So I would uh, request my office not to set up any meeting beyond 4.30. Because otherwise, I can be stuck in traffic for two hours. Typically, I would have left my Gurgaon office at about 4.30 latest 440 and i'm home actually by 520 or whatever and then if there's a call or two i would take it from home and then all of us today are connected through devices and otherwise so any email that was pre-pandemic uh and then there would be of course you know customer meetings there customers there there would be a lot of travel which would happen typically that travel would be about once a month whether it was to the us or uk then we also operate in 15 cities. So one would end up, you know, visiting some of these cities where we have team members. And while our head office happens to be Delhi. Now, post-pandemic, things have changed. So post-pandemic, you know, I have created my own office, uh, of course, within, within. We have been operating now for 
about 20 months from our respective homes. For me, walking up a floor, coming into another, uh, so it's not, <laughs> the commute has come down dramatically. <laughs> yeah, no traffic blues at all. Yeah. One thing I've really, really started to do is, uh, and I've thoroughly enjoyed this, is so now I don't think a day has gone by over the last year and a half where I've not had lunch with my people. And that had not happened for, you know, probably 15 years prior to that. So there's always a silver lining in something. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, nobody's getting younger. So even if it is 20 minutes and I get those 20 minutes with them, I know they may not express it. I know they feel good about it. That has been a great, great, uh, you know, upside. And uh, then whatever calls and meetings one has to do. Absolutely. So so what is Manoj Atlaka's weekend like or what is Manoj Atlaka's evening like? Evening is, uh, I try, like I said, sometimes it depends. Uh, mostly my calls get over by 6, 6.30. There are one-off days when the calls go on a little longer, but that's okay. That's a part of, uh, you know. But um, I am a very, very early, uh, I eat my dinner by 6, actually, between 6, 6.30, which is very rare for somebody in India to do, right? So uh, I have my lunch at 1, which those are some standard Kind of, you know, mm. if I may, SOPs are put in. That's on a weekday. Weekends, of course, because of the pandemic, one never, uh, you know, for almost 15 months, one never stepped out. Now we've started to go out a bit mm. on weekends. And uh, otherwise, uh, typically on a weekend, it would be all about um, flipping some channels, watching. There's so much of, you know, variety on OTT. I'd love to, you know, pick up a movie, which is, uh, even if it is dated and suddenly it comes, I don't know how it comes into the feed. Maybe it depends on what you watched and then something else comes in. So just as an example, day for yesterday, it just came up and I loved it so much. It was a 1997 movie. It was Harrison Ford and it was Air Force One. Yeah, the last piece is maybe till five years ago. I was a regular golfer. And I was every weekend playing golf. I was at the golf course. Then I you know, realized that for uh, maintaining good marital status and relationship, it's probably not a good idea to have six hours a day at the golf course. So, you know, that was taken off the charts. So really, weekend is spending time with the family, meeting some friends here and there, uh, going out for lunch or a dinner. And uh, it's fun. And before you know it, it's, you know, it's gone. But do I feel Monday, Monday, I come back fully energized. And I feel good about meeting the team, you know, uh, cadence that we have established uh, over the last one and a half years. And maybe we probably missed that cadence, uh, you know, that uh, schedule only once or so, where every Monday morning for one hour, we do a direct report meeting where I share very few thoughts. But, you know, my team, we go around and uh, they talk about, you know, what and how they're progressing. And this is over and above any kind of interaction I would have with them. But that Monday is blocked. So what we're going to do now is do a quick rapid fire with you. So are you more of a foodie or more of a traveler? I have been a traveler, but my travel has been always to uh, locations which are, I always, my holiday destinations have been to beach or somewhere by the seaside. And when it comes to being a foodie, I love all kinds of food. Only thing is I can't, I cannot handle spices. So, so tell us one of your favorite travel memories and one of your favorite food memories. Travel memories, and I'm probably now gone there five or six times. I just, you know, if I close my eyes and the place that I would like to think about is Maldives. And uh, so for me, that is, uh, you know, it's heaven on earth. Other place I did, I'll talk about the second one also, is uh, actually Sri Lanka. I like 
like Sri Lanka. Yeah. That was again very nice. Yes. It would be the two. And uh, when I talk about food, it would be a hardcore Indian um, uh, food, not <laughs> healthy at all, but I love it, which is Kola Baduras. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so whiskey or wine? I used to drink wine earlier, but then I moved to vodka and now I'm a gin drinker. Okay, so three things on your bucket list. One would be, and I don't know the duration, maybe just mm. take about 45 to maybe four to six weeks, 45 days, whatever I saying, four to six mm. weeks off without my mobile phone in my hand, without any gadget and switch off, right? And totally get away, which would include, you know, some of these destinations I spoke about, just not Unless, of course, God forbid, there's an emergency. The second thing on my bucket list was take a Harley, ride my Harley from here to somewhere in Bangalore, not even a Jaipur or this thing. And I would you know, literally like to do that. That would be the second thing on my bucket list. And the third thing on my bucket list would be, I wish I was a pilot. My dad was in the Air Force. I wish I was a pilot. So to be sitting in, and I know I would not be able to maneuver it, but to be sitting in a MiG-16 or a MiG-whatever, you know, and being in the cockpit and, uh, you know, seeing how these planes go, it just gives me a high, it gives me a solid high. So that would be on my bucket list. To learn how to fly. I don't know about learn how to fly. I don't think I'll be able, able to learn how to fly, but just when they do the maneuverings and, you know, the swirls and all that, it just is so wonderful just to see that going. Three things that no one knows about you. One I can say, which is you, and I didn't know that you were a biker. I have never got close to a Harley. I used to own a YSB bike during my okay. college days. So. For years, I was on that bike and I swore by that bike. I used to love the bike and I miss it a lot. A couple of other things. Sometimes I can just switch off. And if I start switching off, right, and once I'm put off, then it takes me a little while to come back to the same level of friendship uh, or relationship. Or camaraderie yeah. or relationship. It's, it's not a good thing to do, but that's the way I've been probably... I, I want to change that if I can, but that's one thing which is probably a little bit of a characteristic trait in me. And the last piece is I'm very impulsive. So, and I would do anything, anything. Uh, and those are two different things actually for, um, you know, for, for my for my family. So anything for the kids, anything for the, you know, for my parents, for the wife, anything. I'm not talking about monetary or otherwise. So anything and everything is, uh, you know, they come first over everything else. So that's the way. I may not be very expressive about it, but for me, you know, yeah. And the last, actually, this piece, I don't think too many people know. I'm actually a very, very sentimental, emotional guy. So, you know, uh, about 80% of the, even some of these silly shows, Hmm. would get a little bit of a, you know, get my eyes wet. So oh, that's I, so sweet. Yeah, that's, uh, that's me. So I may try and project this whole alpha male kind of a thing, but it doesn't, the real me is very different. So now that you've told us, what is that one thing that puts you off completely? I think in a way, loyalty. So I, just the way I give loyalty, I express, expect I expect that. loyalty and trust. You know, in my position, somebody is saying, saying the right things to make me happy. I'm not looking for that yes. at all. I'm looking, whatever is said in front of you should be the same thing which is said behind you. And, you know, especially all of us who work in corporate life, it's very easy to say the right things and, you know, give the right sound bites. Yes. I'm, I don't want that. I just don't want that. I don't expect that. And that is where trust factor comes in. I don't want a trust deficit with people who I work with and uh, with my leaders. I want them to trust me fully and, you know, earn their trust, earn their confidence, earn the fact that, you know, 
I'm not going to let them down. So what puts me off is if somebody is dishonest or, you know, saying one thing and doing another, and I have zero tolerance, zero. And, you know, by now, my team knows this, having worked with me for, you know, a lot of these team members of mine have worked with me a long, 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 long time. And, you know, coming from the forces background, then literally my dad started off we all know, you know, the salaries that are paid off. My first job was giving me a salary of 3,000 rupees a month. And I started after being a chartered accountant, right? So the value of money is important. But with that, integrity is of the highest order. Because for me, the level, if anyone messes around on integrity, whether it's on money or otherwise, that is unacceptable. What is that one leadership advice that you would like to give to everybody, budding entrepreneurs, millennials, people who are already working in businesses and in corporates? So what is that one leadership advice? One, lead from the front. Show the conviction and confidence in yourself because if people who are working for you do not see you as either confident leader or, you know, somebody who's convinced about what they're doing and you are changing path and you're changing directions as often as possible or so very often, they will lose that faith in you to follow you. So that, I would say, becomes a very, very important attribute. And the last piece would be you need to be self-aware, right? Because every one of us, without exception, today, when I'm sitting here with you, talking to you, I know these are the four or five weaknesses I have. I have to recognize what those weaknesses are. I have to acknowledge them and I have to work on them. And I have to let my team know that these are the things and I have to give them an environment where they must learn and they must have the comfort and confidence to speak up and give me feedback on the things which are working and things that are not. So that to me is, you know, the entire gamut of leadership. So leading by example, and that's what you definitely do. So, Mr. Adlaka, it was so much fun talking to you and you look good. You speak so well. You are such an inspiration to everybody. And thank you so much for joining me on my show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Rinko.